I just wanted to share this quick word with you tonight. When we were unloading uh, for the Watoto event on Sunday night, you know, Brad was unloading chairs, and we were carrying them in, and, and he so wisely just kind of looked down out from underneath that truck and said, you know, you're doing a good job as senior pastor. I said, well, thanks, Brad. It's been four days. You know, I mean, it's not been very long, but I appreciate that. Thank you. How'd you know I needed that already? And uh, he said, you think it's probably increased your prayer life, hasn't it? He said, it's increased your, your quiet time, hasn't it? And I said, well, yeah. I said, you know what? It really truly has, but I said, it's been at the expense of everything else because I'm still doing all the things that I was doing, but I'm trying to figure out how I can continue to grow in everything that he has for me and for this church. And, uh, you know, over those last couple of days, I've thought about that, what Brad said, because I, I really have. You know, it's stealing away for a few moments and, you know, telling Corey, I'm going over to Blaze. Don't tell anybody else. And so I'll run over to Blaze and I'll hang out in there, you know, and I'll, I'll try to find those times and moments during the day where I can get away. Because as I meditated that word, God began to share with me this, this, this thought, this idea. He began to put this in my heart about intimacy. You know what? It's Valentine's. It's coming up on Valentine's Day. It's February 2nd right now. Valentine's Day is February 14th. If you're a man, you better not forget that. You better find some, some type of uh, gift or something. Yeah, Josh, February 14th. You're getting married soon. Let me just tell you a little something here. This is some great wisdom. Buy her something. Get her a little rose, a little flower, a little something, a little card, and uh, tell her how much you love her. But how many, how many of us, as we begin to get closer to Valentine's Day, you begin to think about the person that you love? Now, hopefully we do it every day. You know, if you're married, hopefully that's the case. And, you know, that you're thinking about those people and that they're in, the, they're in your, your forethought. You know, you're doing those things. How, many, how much time do we spend really thinking about God and what He wants for us? You know, I, I, I love my wife. I think she's, she's wonderful. You know, we try to have special times together and dinners and dates. And, you know, we try to do all of those kind of things to kind of keep the intimacy, you know, to be close, to do all those kind of things. Are we spending that kind of uh, maybe energy and time? And I'm not speaking to you. This is the, these are the things that God's been sharing with me over these last few weeks as we've progressed and grown in the job that, that he's called us to and the thing that he's called us to do. You know, I'm very close to people in my life. I'm very close to friends. I'm very close to my wife and my family. I'm very close to all those people. I spend a lot of time with them. I spend a lot of effort. You know, I, I was just driving around one day, and my sister needed a folding thing in her laundry room, and I just... I mean, this is like two days before January 2nd, and we're going to have to preach and do all these things. And all of a sudden, I thought, oh, i got to build that for my sister. Because I, I amen, <laughs> I love her and I care about her, and she needs to be able to fold her clothes, and, and this would really help her. So, I, I mean, I drug Elizabeth to every hardware store and got all the pieces and parts that I needed and, you know, sacrificed time and all that kind of stuff. But, you know, finally a week later, we had a, a moment. Man, I was over there, and we were, Joe and I were putting it in, and, you know, I'm thinking about those kind of things. Or, you know, how many times you think about your, your kids or you think about your brother or you think about your, your sister or your aunt, or, you know, those kind of people in your life. How often do we think about God? And I'm not, again, not talking about, I mean, these are just the kind of things that God began to tell me and began to show me. And we're very intimate with people, but are we really intimate with God? You know, he began to show me relationships, and there's not much that, that she doesn't think that I don't know about that I can't, you know, by looking at her, figure out. Or as she talks to me, how many of you know, when, they, when, when your wife talks to you, your husband talks to you, it's not necessarily what they're saying. It's how they say it. And you know them well enough that you can communicate on a level that maybe other people can't. And is it the same with, with our relationship with God? You know, is that relationship, is that intimacy the same? You know, when she speaks on the phone, I know her voice. 
I, I mean, I don't have to say, uh, honey, is this you? You know? When, when I call Corey, you know, he speaks. I know it's his voice. So I've spent time with him. I know him. You know, when God speaks, how many of you had believers in your life who said, yeah, I just can't hear from God. I just don't know. I don't know all these voices. Spend time with him. Begin to have an intimate relationship with him, and then you begin to, you begin to know his voice. And when people struggle with that, it's not about, you know, okay, well, I need to pray for you. It's not so much as I need to maybe instruct you as much as maybe you need to sit down, take a few moments, and spend time with God. And if we can do that, then that, that lifeline. See, if I get away from her for too long, I get a little freaky. Uh-huh. Was that you, Lori? Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, I operate that way. She, she, keeps, she keeps me okay. If I'm not near her very long, my battery starts getting a little haywire, and I don't do so well. But then there's sometimes where all of a sudden it's been two days, and I realize that, boy, you know what? I'm way behind. I didn't even read the Bible for two days. And I don't realize that I'm drained there too. So I would just encourage you, if that's you, if that's your situation, if that's your thing, I, I just wanted to share a couple keys maybe that God showed me, God's talked to me about over the last few days, but definitely, you know, over the last bunch of years about intimacy and about in intimacy with him. And really, truly, first, you know, and we all find this, and maybe you do in your marriage too, but communication is, is probably the utmost key in your life with your spouse, with your family, with people who you deal with. But communication with God is, 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 is you know, one of my three parts here that's a key to, to having intimacy with him. If you are not keeping communi in communication with him, you, then there's no way you can have, you can have intimacy. When you look at people whose who's maybe their marriages, you know, they start to crumble or they start to fall apart a little bit, what do they say? Oh, we never talk anymore. We don't see each other. We don't pay any attention. You don't know me. You don't even know who are you now. You don't even care what I think. You don't even listen to what I'm saying. And it's communication situations. It's communication breakdown in a marriage, and it begins to ruin the intimacy that's going on. Prayer is a two-way street in our lives with the Lord. It's not just a one-way street. Think about it with your spouse or think about it with somebody in your life that you have a close relationship with. Is it possible for you to be the only talker? You know, what if you went in? <laughs> and maybe it isn't Brad's case because he's really quiet. And Sandy, you know, she's got a lot of words and Brad has few. So maybe that works out. But for, for a lot of us, that might not be the case, that we need, we need, to, we need to share. See, communication is a two-way street. If you were with your spouse or you were with somebody that's very close to you, and think about if only one of you could talk, how difficult would that be really to grow together? That actually kind of pushes you away, doesn't it? I mean, do you have people in your life who want to talk all the time, and that's all they want to do? And every time you start to say something, they interrupt you then with the next thing. And then you say something else, and they interrupt you with their thought about that, and they tell you how that should go this way and how this should happen. That. And then all of a sudden, you know, they're dominating all the communication. You're not very close to those kind of people. Communication is two-way street. Luke 18.1 says that men ought to always pray. And there was a time in my life where, I, where Pastor Bill was, I, rem, I mean, I remember it. Pastor Bill was preaching about that, and I thought he was, he was preaching and teaching on prayer, and he used that scripture, and, and, and he had said, you know, always. Bill always taught, always said, and always has, you know, that, that you need to continually be praying be speaking and sharing with the Lord, be communicating, be praying in the Spirit, praying in your life, whatever that is, be continuing to do that. And I said, God, I, I want to, I, I actually said, I want to I learn that. I want to be able to do that. And then over a period of time, I just said, okay, God, whatever you tell me to do, I'm going to do. And lo and behold, it gets to the point, like I talked about last Sunday, where I said, you know, there were math questions where I didn't know the answer, but I realized I'm already praying in the Spirit. 
See, I'm always in that. I'm, I'm driving my car, and there's music playing, but I realize I'm praying. I'm meditating word as things are coming out of my mouth, and, things, and it's just communication with God. But as we do that, we have to realize the two-way street part, that as we have a conversation with him, we have to take a moment, and we have to allow him to have conversation with us because he doesn't, he doesn't necessarily need to know everything that you're telling him because he knows everything. We have a much greater need to know what he's speaking about our situations and subjects than he does about what we're saying. And what I've found in my life is my prayer life, when I begin to pray and I begin to share and I begin to speak and I begin to have communication with God, my prayer life is about others. It's about my wife. It's about my child. It's about our children. It's about the people in the church. It's about finance. It's about things that are happening. It's about intercession for for situations and circumstances. And it's, it's not about, God, I need this, I need this. I don't even have to worry about that. As I run out of people to intercede for and situations to stand for, all of a sudden I realize that it's become about praise and about worship and about adoration of who he is. Not that I don't need things and not that I don't care about stuff and not that it's not important that I bring my petitions to God because it says so in his word that he's the guy who's going to meet the petitions that I bring to him. So that's important. He knows the desires of my heart. I just have to acknowledge him in all of my ways, lean not on my understanding, lean on his. He'll take me down that direction. If I feed on his faithfulness, if I trust him, if I allow him to be everything in my life, he'll take care of the desires of my heart. And he always has, and I'm sure he has in your life too. In Philippians 4, 6, it says, be anxious for nothing. How many times in a marriage relationship or maybe a friend relationship at some level, but, but how many times that, you know, do you find somebody, they're, they're just anxious. They're not, they're not, oh, something's not right. What's the matter? Why? Well, I, I, I really got to talk to you. I need to communicate. It says, be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. The supplication part's about being humble. It's like, it's, it's humbly coming to God and saying, God, this is who I am. This is where I am. This is what's happening in my life. This is what's going on. But we've got to get to the point where it's like, this is what it is. Now, God, what do you have for me? I want to know your voice. If you're in a marriage relationship, what you've probably found is that the other person completes you. You know, sometimes you go into this thing and you're so just awestruck by love that you don't even see anything about them that maybe is irritating to the flesh. But after you've been married for a while, maybe a few of those things begin to pop up and begin to peek up. Just a few. Just a few. And if you're a loving husband, you just say, oh, sweetie, it's great. It's okay. But see, as, as you go, you find, as you grow in that relationship, what you find is that that person really truly completes you. Now I found, I went in with this idea that, man, we are so together. We are so alike. They're my soulmate right? This, this person is my soulmate, man. And then you get married. About two years later, you're like, you are the most aggravating person I've ever met. And you are so opposite of who I am. I, I haven't met somebody that went into a marriage yet that said, we're exact opposites and we love it. People don't say that. They say, we're so much alike. We have the same desires. We have the same thoughts. And then they get married and they go, oh, we don't anymore. But if you're wise, you realize that their strengths are your weaknesses and that they complete you. And it says in the Word of God that, that, see, our weaknesses are completed and made strong in Him, that He completes us. But, see, that means that in this intimate relationship that we have with Him, we have to be able to communicate those things. I have learned so much from her in my life. I, I have become such a better person and so much more wise 
in the last bunch of years since I've begun to say, what do, you, what do you think about the situation? What would you do as I begin to take her perspective in different situations? As I begin to allow her to be who God created her to be, what I've found is, man, that makes us a really strong team. But when I shut her out, and I didn't want to hear what she thought because I thought it was dumb, because I didn't want to hear what she thought because it was different than me or, you know, it wasn't way I would do it or all those kinds of things. As I began to do that, see, that began to drive us apart, and then all of a sudden the intimacy began to shrivel up. It's the same thing with God as he begins to speak to you. If you don't begin to listen to those things that he's saying and begin to appropriate them in life, then all of a sudden you're, you're beginning to drive a wedge between you and him, just like you would with your spouse. I've learned a lot as I've gotten married and had kids about who God is and about that relationship. Being a father speaks, being a mother speaks to the heart of God with your children. Your relationship with God speaks many times to your relationship with your spouse. Communication's key. You have to live by the Spirit. Romans 8, 14 says, those who are led by the Spirit of God are the sons and daughters of God. That's part of the communication is being alive and open to the Holy Spirit in your life. Not just what you're saying to Him, but what He's speaking to you, and He speaks to you by the Holy Spirit. He speaks to the believer by the still small voice in your life. You can get Kenneth Hagin's book on, on being led by the Spirit of God, Billy Joe's book, Led by the Spirit. There are great books about being led by the Spirit, about hearing His voice, and about being obedient to what He asks you to do. But I'm telling you, it's not about decisions that maybe you have to make down the road. It could be about a decision or a thing that's about to come up in your life. It says in John 16, He tells you things to come. He wants to speak to you, and He wants to begin to write those things down. I'm not telling you anything probably that Pastor Bill and Pastor Pam and I, we haven't said for years. Things that I know and things that I do. But this is just something that God began to pour out in me real quick. Hey, hey, remember. Remember, remember. Your first intimate relationship is, is with me. And where you begin to realize that, where I have begun to, is, is in the moments where I'm like, I'm starting to stress out. And I'm like, what is, not, what, what is going on? And that's when I go over to his office and say, hey, hey, hey I'm running to blaze. Don't tell anybody. I got I to gotta go away for a while. People have been saying that about me for a long time. You need to go away for a while. <laughs> but if you want to know the things that your wife thinks, you want to know the things that your husband believes, you ask him. You ask her. 1 Corinthians 2.11 says, No one knows the things of God except the Spirit of God. So you can't tell me what God's speaking to you if you haven't first listened to God. It's not just what's written in the Word. It's what He's speaking to you by the Spirit of God. That's communication. Spending time is essential. How many of you can have an intimate relationship with somebody and spend no time with them? It's impossible. People in, in marriages and families begin to grow apart when people stop spending time together. It's important, not just in your marriage relationship, but with your family and your friends. And I mean, those are people who are close to you and maybe God's put them in your life and you have to spend time with them if you're going to have that kind of close and intimate relationship. It's the same thing with God. See, it says, it says that bad company corrupts good morals. Well, how, how does bad company corrupt good morals? If I'm, a, if I'm a good person and I'm following after the word of God and I'm spending time with him, then how could bad company, how could bad company bother me or how could bad company change me? If I spend enough time with bad company, I'll become bad company. See, if you put yourself in that position and you spend time with bad company and not time with good company, then you eventually begin to look like bad company in your life. Marriages grow apart that way. People come home and say, I love my secretary more than I love you. Why? Well, I spent more time with my secretary. There's lust and there's other things. But that's part of it. Praise and worship is another opportunity to spend time with God. 
as you begin to get before Him, as you begin to praise Him, as you begin to worship who He is. That's spending time. That doesn't come just like off the cuff. That just doesn't happen. That's you setting time aside. There's nothing like setting time aside for your spouse. There's nothing like saying, you know what? I got a babysitter. We're going to go out. We're going to go spend time. We're going to have dinner. We're just going to be me and you. I mean, there's nothing like that. Making a special moment or a special time for the person that you love, whether it's your, your wife or your husband or whatever that might be. But you spend time that way. When you tell them how pretty they are and how wonderful they are and how good they smell and all of those things, you're kind of praising them a little bit for who they are. Not necessarily worshiping who they are. But with God it is. It's praise and worship. That's you getting in and getting rid of all of you and making it all about who? Him. Nothing builds intimacy like that. It's you sitting at his feet and just praising and just worshiping. I don't sing very well. Well, it's all right. You're singing in your prayer closet. Nobody can hear you anyway. Don't sing at the gym with your earphones on as loud as you can. I've had to watch myself every now and then. When you get, have you ever get like really pumped up and you're kind of singing it underneath your breath, you know? And then all of a sudden, everybody's looking at you like, whoa, okay, sorry. Might have been a little loud. But you got to do it. And the other thing as far as time concerned, you know, really praise and worship, spending time with him and, and learning his word. I, I don't know of a way to, to learn his word. I can't sleep on it and put my head on it and hope osmosis makes it come into my brain. Matthew 4, 4 says, Man lives by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. And these are all the things that he has spoken to us that has been written down. Then he has speaks to us by his Holy Spirit. But you have to know the word. Success comes from knowing the word and the word of God. He told Joshua, don't look to the left, don't look to the right. Keep focused and be focused on me. And if you'll be focused on me, You'll begin to meditate my word, speak my word, and do my word. You'll have good success, and it'll make your way prosperous. And that's what we want. That's, that's, a, that's the kind of relationship that says, I know, I know what he thinks. I know, I know what he says. I know who he is. But it still takes time. Still t- I've read the Bible four times. Read it five. It still takes time. That's time. That's you sitting with him, and that's part of your communication. That's part of the time that you're spending as you build that intimate relationship with him. And the third thing really is giving. You know, you have to be able to give. I don't know if you're in that kind of relationship uh, where somebody else is the taker and you're the giver all the time. That's a tough place and there's not a lot of intimacy in that kind of relationship. Over the last year or so, I've married a bunch of people and, uh, you know, I've told them all, let me just sit down for you just a minute and just let me talk to you about what this means in, in Ephesians where it says, that Christ is going to love the church and that you're the husband, so you're supposed to wife, love your wife as Christ loves the church. And I know it says that the wife is supposed to submit to her husband. But I'll tell him that doesn't mean that you lord over her. That means that, that you have already given your life and you've already died for her and you've already given yourself, so you have already submitted yourself to her. She is supposed to submit herself to you. And now you're mutually submitting to each other in this relationship and that you're about to join. Because you say submit to some people maybe who aren't real church people, man. The girl's hair starts to bristle up the back of her neck. You can see it, man. It's just like, have you ever seen your, you know, Maisie, my puppy, man, when she runs around, you know, and somebody comes to the door, all the hair all the way up her back stands up. That's what happens sometimes. When you begin to sit down with a couple and you begin to talk about submission, it's usually because the man in the relationship's probably already been saying something about that. That's why she got such a bad rap about it. So that gives me an opportunity to tell him that it's his responsibility and it's his issue and it's his problem.
Well, see, it's the same thing with God. And you say, whoa, 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 you know, we don't need to submit one to another. He's already submitted himself. See, he already took Jesus. He's committed to this relationship because he took his son. And what did he do? He gave his son for us. He gave his son to be a sacrifice so that we could have what? Relationship with him. He wanted relationship and intimacy with man. Adam and Eve screwed it up in the garden. And so from that time on, he set forth this plan to give his son. So he's already given his very best. He's given everything that he has. He's already given it over in that relationship. And then what are we supposed to do? We're supposed to give our life back to him. In a marriage relationship, it's about that thing. It's about she giving her life to me and me giving my life to her and laying it down for each other. There's covenant in that. And with your relationship with God, it's the same kind of thing. You have to be willing to say, not my will be done, but your will be done. I was talking to this young couple last week. They're getting married in May, and he's one of my old students. I met him at the movie theater uh, over Thanksgiving, saw him again and talked to him, and I'm always surprised. I'm getting married, but you're only 16. says, Mr. Skelton, I'm 25. Oh, sorry. I graduated in 2002 or something. I was like, oh, okay. But, you know, when I was talking to him, I sat down with him, and I was talking about this, and they were both, you could tell, I mean, like, he's, like, you know, batting his eyes at her, you know, and his little tongue, and she's going, he's so sweet, you know, you know, and all that's going on. And so I, I but I did say, eventually, okay, someone will have to make a decision. Because you can't say, where do you want to eat? Oh, wherever you want to eat. No, where do you want to eat? No, I want to eat where you want to eat. If you do that long enough, it'll be create friction, and there'll be a huge fight. So I said, what you need to do is someone, you know, needs to begin to, to make the decision in those situations. You submit your lives to each other. I said, if you will always, in your heart, think about what they want, what will make them happy, what will provide for them, and take care of them in each way, your relationship will be fantastic because you'll be mutually submitted to each other. You'll be open and honest. You'll begin to share, and then you'll have intimacy. And nobody can break that up. And I think in, in what God has been showing me and what he's been speaking to me is, is just these things in, in my life. Be willing to be a communicator, not just with people, but to be a communicator with God and then allow him to communicate with me. Be willing to be open to, to just spend time. Right now in my life, that seems to be the, the most precious commodity is time. As I've, as I've stepped into this new place, it, it's, it's all about being able to do the things I needed to do and then add on all this extra. So it's about time, about time management, about spending time with him, about getting alone with him, because that's where all the true wisdom is and that's where all the true love and the light and the joy and the, all those things. And then to be willing to give, to be willing to give of who I am. I haven't always been the greatest probably giver in the world, I, I like to hold a little bit back. Um, as, as we continued toward this position and toward this, this point in our lives, I, I was very good about drawing a line between my life and church. You know, and as, as we've, been, we've been a part of this pastoral staff of church for, I don't know, 15 years or something. I mean, it's been a long time. But because I had a job, because I had all these other things going on, I was very, I, I drew this kind of line, and there was like this last little sliver over here that I said, you know what, I'm, like, I'm, I'm giving like 90% of everything I am over here. I'm just going to hold this little 10 over here just because. 
And see, in relationships with your spouse, think about it in your own life, in that kind of relationship with your spouse, can you hold that little piece back here? See, can you hold that little sliver and say, yeah, 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 I know I'm your husband, I know I'm your wife, and I know this is the relationship that we have, and I'm going to give you everything, but you know what? I've got to have a little for me. And that became really in my life as I moved from step to step to step and place to place to place in my life. It was that last little piece that I was holding on to that I thought was the most important thing to me. But as I, what I learned and what I've, what I've grown in is that I just say, you know what, that's the last thing that's holding me from what God has for me. I need to let go of that thing. I don't, I don't want it anymore. The devil begins to trick you in your marriage and in your life and says, it's all, you need this, you deserve this, you should have this, you've given everything else, but they can't even see this part. See, and you begin to take that lie as a husband or as a wife. And spiritually, sometimes we do the same thing. Come on, God, I've given you everything. Can I, I'm just going to keep this. Come on, I've given up everything. I've shared the story about golf before for years. You know, I wanted to coach boys golf. And I had an opportunity. And the boys are different than the girls because the boys are good golfers. The girls don't have a clue. I mean, you have to tell them to turn the other end of the club over. And, I mean, you've got to tell them everything. With the boys, you get to play. I played every day. I didn't have to teach them how to putt and how to chip and how to stand and how to, I'm not kidding you, how to hold your back. That's, that's a lesson for about the first three weeks of the season, how to hold your bag and how to carry it. I mean, it really truly is because they carry it backwards. They got the clubs going the wrong way. They got the wrong strap on first. They can't figure out. Some of them even carry it like it's a bag. You know, I mean, that's work. But I had boys, and boys are good. I had 50 kids come out for the team, and I had to cut them. I was cutting them down, man. We, it was good stuff. The girls, I'm begging them to all come out. <laughs> oh, Mr. Skelton, I can play. What do you shoot? 74. Great. For six holes, you know. But God said you need to give that up. And I, was, I held on to that for a while. And I can't figure out why the relationship has a kink in it. You know, if you can't figure out, all of a sudden you go, oh, man, I've been holding this back for my wife. I've been keeping this for myself because I don't. But then you begin to let that thing go, and then what happens? Intimacy comes back. And in our life, we were really struggling at the time, and we had some things to do. And she had some things that she was getting straight in her life too. But things just weren't rocking on all cylinders for us spiritually, you know, in our life. And, and naturally, I mean, things were just not rocking right, and she had some things that she was learning, some things that she was getting through, and she was coming to this realization in her life that there were some things that she wanted this way and that way, and God was dealing with her, and she finally gave that thing up. You know, just whatever that thing is. You know, that same idea that I, I either know this and I'm not going to listen or I'm going to hold on to this because, by golly, I deserve it. And as she gave that thing up, it was about the same time I drove to school about 100 miles an hour because I'd heard God for about the last time just say, you just need to give that up. And I drove to school as fast as I could because I knew I had the courage for like five minutes to finally get rid of it. And I screeched in and, and I, you know, I threw the door open and the guy was walking right out of the building and walked right up to me. I didn't even have to go in, thank God, because I probably would have run some other direction. And he walked right up to me and I said, I'm so sorry, sir, but I, I just, right now in my life, this is not the time. I love what I'm, what I'm doing. I love coaching the boys, but I don't feel like that's what I'm supposed to do anymore and I know I really need to quit. I'm sorry that I'm doing this for you. He said, hey, it's okay. He's always done this for me. It's all right. You got to do what you feel like's right for you and what God's telling you to do. Great, all right, off I go, jump in the car. Woo, you know. Actually, I was kind of like, oh, man, I was such a louse. I waited so long to do that. But like three days later, Somebody called and gave her 
gave her an interview for a job that we could not make a way for in our lives. But when we let go of that last part, see, we let go of that last piece and said, okay, I'm not just going to hang on to it anymore. I thought I could work twice as hard. She was working twice as hard. I knew the guy who came out of the job that she ended up getting. I mean, I knew the guy. He came to my school, and I said, hey, hey, you know my wife. Oh, yeah, she's a great girl. I said, hey, could you, could you call your principal and tell him she's got, you know, you just left. He needs to hire her. Oh, definitely. He calls the principal. He puts in all the words, all the stuff. Nothing. Not a nothing. Man, we're banging our head against the walls trying to figure out why this didn't work and how this couldn't happen, and she's trying to figure out another way to get it, and she's, you know, all these things. So finally she says, okay, fine, whatever, God. I don't know what's going on. And I said, okay, fine, whatever, God, I'm going to go do it. I'm not going to hold back that little piece of that relationship anymore. I'm going to let you have it all. And like three days, she had that job. I don't know how, but the phone call came. So would you please come interview for the job? Now, years later, we can look back and say, man, we were doing a few things there that we probably needed to fix. And when we fixed them, we saw how quickly God's hand moved on our behalf. Don't hold something back in your relationship with your spouse. Don't hold something back, but give it, give all that. But the same thing with God. Don't hold something back and say, you know, you can have it all but this. It's about giving. He gave his very best. You give your all and see what he can't do in that intimate relationship. Amen. Let's stand up. Let's pray. We hope you've been encouraged, strengthened, and challenged in your walk with Jesus. If you need prayer for situations in your life, we encourage you to email us at prayer at victorylafayette.org or call our offices at 765-447-7777. If you desire to make Jesus the Lord of your life, or if you've drifted away from the relationship you once had, I encourage you to pray this prayer with me today. Heavenly Father, I believe that you love me. I believe Jesus died for me and rose from the dead. Today, I confess Jesus as my Lord and Savior, and I receive the forgiveness for all my sins. Holy Spirit, I thank you that you come into my life and empower me to live a victorious life. Thank you for saving me. In Jesus' name, amen.